Good evening, everyone. This is Rana Ayub. I'm the global opinions writer at the Washington Post. And here on my Substack, I talk about issues related to India. This morning, we woke up to the report uh, by the United States on interreligious freedom. And for the first time, probably in the history of India, U.S. Secretary of State um, has orally spoken about the um, the religious intolerance in the country. While reading out from the report, um, he said that India, the world's largest democracy, um, has been witnessing attacks, um, you know, on on places of worship. He said he said specifically. I mean, I'll, uh, to be verbatimized, he said. The world's largest democracy and home to a great diversity of faiths, we have seen rising attacks on people and places of worship in Vietnam, where authorities harass members of unregistered religious communities. And of course, he goes on. This is not the first time that Blinken has spoken about India and the religious intolerance in India. A month ago, a similar statement uh, was made when he was addressing the press along with uh, the Indian Foreign Affairs Minister. India has lashed out um, at the religious intolerance report. It has called, it has accused the United States of um, of pandering to um, to its vote bank. Now, many of us who are familiar with Indian politics know that this language is something we often hear right wing trolls, um, you know, uh, often use. To, to attack secular and um, pluralist values. So to hear to hear the Indian to the Indian Foreign Ministry using that language, it's very eerily similar to to what many of the trolls have been speaking this morning. So what does this report really mean? And what is um, when I visited the United States in New York and DC, and I met many officials. Uh, many members of the U.S. State Department, especially ambassadors and, and members on who are working on religious freedom, many of them said to me off the record that they were extremely concerned about the rising attacks on the Muslim minorities in India, the 220 million Muslims in India. And uh, especially after uh, Genocide Watch put out a statement that India is at the cusp of a genocide of its Muslim population. Um, the officials who were working in the US State Department on religious freedom have specifically told me that there is not a day that goes by when they do not hear uh, from, from NGOs and activists in India and journalists in India about the silencing of critics and dissenters. They were particularly concerned about the demolition drive in Muslim areas. They were particularly concerned about um, the attempt um, not just to silence Muslim critics and Muslim journalists, but also this new um, this new phenomena where where Muslim places of worship are being attacked by Hindu nationalists, where they are threatening to demolish these places, accusing them of having. Uh, Hindu history, and these are matters before court. And uh, this is an everyday affair in India when Muslims are not being um, uh, threatened for their dietary habits, when Muslims are not being lynched 
for alleged consumption of beef when our women are not being humiliated for wearing a hijab, um, when Muslims are not being humiliated um, by the Citizenship Amendment Act and the NRC that seeks to um, delegitimize the existence of the Muslim population in India, when Muslims are threatened with a uniform civil code uh, where, their, where their essential practices and essential religious practices are being questioned, where the spokesperson of Narendra Modi's BJP, Nupur Sharma, goes on a national channel, Times Now, is egged by um, the news anchor and she, and she insults Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, who is one of the most revered figures in Islam and accuses him of having sex with a nine-year-old and the language and the tone in which, which she says it, that she's not the only person. Uh, today again, um, another spokesperson of the BJP has used similar language for the prophet of Islam. Every day you wake up in India, every day, and I'm talking about as a um, not just as a journalist, but also a privileged Muslim in India, is an assault on the identity of the Indian Muslim. In the last four days, especially after I tweeted and Instagrammed this video that was this video story that was done by Al Jazeera, where um, they played these genocidal songs against Muslims. And I just posted this video on my Instagram and Twitter. Uh, in the last three days itself, I have received close to 4,000 graphic rape and death threats. A journalist friend, Mohammed Zubair, who's also a co-accused with me, in a case filed by UP police against him, me and Saban Nakwi last year uh, over our tweets where we called out the attack on a Muslim man. Uh, all three of us have been booked for inciting communal tension. Two days ago, Mohammed Zubair, who's the co-founder of Alt News, a fact-checking website, has been booked again for UP police for calling Hindu supremacists who give rape and death threats, mind you, rape and death threats, Zubair has been booked for calling them as hate mongers. Surprise, Dabi. This is exactly what's happening in India. Journalists are being silenced and mainstream editors, mainstream publishers, proprietors of these publications that are using genocidal language. These are publishers and proprietors and editors our journalists look up to, have looked up to over the years. You see them silent as these young independent journalists are being intimidated every day. And God forbid, if you're a Muslim journalist, then the might of the state is extended towards you to intimidate you. In the last one year, I mean, I don't even want to talk about myself because there has been so much of it. Um, the government has used almost every agency to come after me. They, um, uh, the, for, the foreign regulations... Um, uh, enforcement Directorate, Income Tax, UP Police, they have they have sent letters to my publications asking why I have been hired, whether they have an agenda to use me to talk about India and extended certain conspiracy theories about my earnings. Uh, of course, that is something that I'm facing day in, day out. But this is, I still talk as a journalist of privilege who has international publications, um, who has access to the United Nations, who has access to people in power. But the journalists who are being hounded today, day in, day out, independent journalists who are being attacked, Sadiq Kapan, who has also been uh, mentioned in various reports by the United States. Sadiq Kapan was a journalist who was arrested by UP police under terror charges when he was on his way to report a story 
of the gang rape of a lower caste girl in India. He did not even report the story. He was on the way. He was en route to report that story. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. His wife has accused the United. As uh, his wife has accused Siddhi Kapun's wife has accused Uttar Pradesh police of having chained him to his bed when he was suffering from COVID and not allowing him to even use the washroom. Siddhi Kapun was not even allowed to visit the last rites of his mother after she died. She, he was not even allowed to see his mother as she was dying. For for what crime? For a crime he did not even commit. Journalists in Kashmir are being silenced. Kashmir is one of the the only probably Muslim majority state in India, where ever since the special um, status to Kashmir was revoked, thousands of Kashmiris have been imprisoned, and Kashmiri journalists who are documenting. Uh, the excesses by the Indian state are being silenced. I know many Kashmiri journalists who have not just written for me, but the ones that I have spoken to, they are now living in hiding in the national capital and they want to leave the country. Many journalists have been stopped uh, at the immigration while they were on the way to, for their scholarships or fellowships. Um, Kashmir police has been hounding the families of Kashmiri journalists who are working internationally. Who are these? Unfortunately, yet again, Muslim journalists. Um, Fahad Shah, who is the editor of Kashmirwala, uh, has been arrested under draconian terror charges. His colleague, uh, who is now the acting editor, um, has been summoned by the Kashmir police for a story that was published when he was only 12 years old. Yes, there is rising intolerance in India. It is a nightmare to be a Muslim in India. What I and many Muslims of my generation witnessed uh, in 1992, post the demolition of the Babri Masjid and, and the ensuing anti-Muslim carnage in India, they are attempting to repeat similar circumstances as the court is now hearing various counsels on the Gyan Vyapi Mosque in Uttar Pradesh. Hindu nationalists are now saying on Twitter that they want all Muslim monuments to be demolished as they all have, uh, you know, have Hindu um, uh, statues and they were originally Hindu places of worship. And this intolerance, this genocidal language is now being extended on our news channels. What, what, are, what are the news channels in India discussing every day? They're not discussing... Uh, unemployment, they're not discussing inflation, they're not discussing those farmers who are dying, they're not discussing the lack of oxygen in hospitals in India, they're not discussing the COVID deaths, but every day on Indian news channels is a dog whistle against Indian Muslims. So when Secretary Antony Blinken speaks about the rising intolerance against Muslims in India and other religious minorities, when US officials speak about the, the murder of Father Stan Swami, in Indian jail. He was, he was incarcerated despite his health. By the time he was let out, he was extremely sick. So we are equally complicit. I call it murder because he could have been saved had he not been thrown behind bars despite his sickness. He's a, he was a human rights hero. He was a human rights hero who dedicated his life for the upliftment of tribals and Adivasis in India. He did not have to meet that fate. Many, uh, many 
BJP leaders are now approaching courts for uh, bills on anti-conversion. And today I, I was I was watching, um, I was reading, in fact, um, you know, the proceedings of the court where the judge said, what is the proof that you have to bring in this law? What is the proof that there are, be, there are forced conversions in this country? So every day there is, in absence of any development, in absence of this government providing employment, this government is creating a victimhood complex in the, in the Hindu population that is now feeling victim in it and, you know, this victim in its own country. Never before has the Indian Hindu made, made, been made to feel like a victim in their own country like today in 2022, where India seems to be regressing every day, where we are talking about uh, 17th century Mughal leaders as a dog whistle against Muslims instead of talking about the future of India. We are regressing backwards every day. So I think India's India lashing out at the United States for its report on religious intolerance. I think it's childish, it's immature. Instead, India needs to look inwards. Yes, the United States has its own problems. Yet, yes, the United States has um, has its own internal issues, racial issues, issues of domestic terrorism. But for us to use it, for, for, for Hindu nationalist trolls and Hindu supremacists to use that to kind of dismiss this report on religious, religious intolerance, I think is extremely childish. The world is watching us. And what example are we setting? Hindu nationalists are routinely hailing Nathuram Godse, the assassin of Mahatma Gandhi. What example are we setting before the world? I don't think the world is complicit. I think we are complicit in putting out this image of India to the world as, as a country, the world's largest democracy that is now going down under, where fascism is now becoming the new norm. This is all... Uh, that I have to say today, probably this is my first attempt at a podcast and I hope I can bring you stories from India. I can bring you voices that are important. So please subscribe to my Substack and I hope to see you more often. Thank you so much for listening in.